0: A FOCUS SUMMARY OF THE SECOND HALF OF ACT ONE OF CYRANO DE BERGERAC CHoking with anger after having been so soundly humiliated by Cyrano, Valver tries to recover his dignity with another insult to Cyrano's appearance. Look at him—not even gloves, no ribbons, no lace, no buckles on his shoes. Cyrano again puts Valver in his place, this time not with humor but with solemn poetic pride, in another timeless speech that begins in the Hooker translation with, I carry my adornments on my soul. The theme of it is that he prides himself on his immaculate character, not clothes. He concludes with a veiled threat, saying that he had a pair of gloves once, but when some gentleman offered him an impertinence, he left one of them in his face. To slap someone across the face with a glove is to challenge them to a duel. And indeed, when Valver hurls more bumbling insults, Cyrano feigns a cramp from lack of exercise, and complains that his sword has gone to sleep. Valver draws his sword, and Cyrano, gratified, proclaims that he will die exquisitely. In a contemptuous tone, Valver calls him a poet— which gives Cyrano an inspiration. While he duels, he will compose a ballade, a poem of three stanzas of eight lines each, and when the last refrain ends, thrust home. And so the two men duel, Cyrano sporting with his opponent, while suiting all his gestures to his words. As he ends the refrain, he lunges, and Valver staggers back, defeated, into the arms of his friends. A crowd again surrounds Cyrano, this time to applaud and congratulate him. His friend Lebray looks on with irrepressible enthusiasm. A man emerges from the crowd to shake Cyrano's hand, saying, as one who appreciates these things, he can say it was altogether fine. Cuigi then tells him the man was D'Artagnan, one of the famous French musketeers immortalized in the novels of Dumas. When the porter asks Cyrano if he will not stay to dine, Cyrano haughtily refuses. And then, when the porter has gone and Lebray asks him why not, says, Because I have no money. The sack of gold he used to close the play was his month's pension. Lebret scorns his foolish impracticality. Cyrano takes pride in the idealistic gesture. The orange girl approaches, and with lowered eyes offers her new hero food and drink. He tells her he cannot bend his Gascon pride to accept her kindness, but for fear of insulting her, he will take half a macaroon, a glass of water, a single grape, and her hand to kiss. She extends it gratefully. Then, exclaiming how hungry he was, he sits down to consume this dinner, drink, and dessert. LeBray, taking the role of the protective friend, tries to talk sense into Cyrano, saying his swagger has earned him many enemies. Cyrano receives this as a compliment and asks LeBray to count them. When LeBray asks him to explain his plan, Cyrano says he has settled upon the simplest one to make himself in all things admirable. Then LeBray asks Cyrano the real reason he hates Montfleury the one he had previously called his secret. Cyrano says, rising as he speaks, that he has hated him ever since he dared smile upon a certain woman, saying it was like watching a great snail crawl across a flower. Lebray understands with the instinct of a true friend that Cyrano is in love. Cyrano confesses that indeed he loves He then adds bitterly that of course the one he loves, he, with his disfigurement, is the woman in the world most witty and most fair. The thought of her inspires improvised poetic raptures, including, Who knows her smile has known a perfect thing. From his raptures, Lebray knows he speaks of his cousin, Roxanne, and, worshipful friend that he is, he urges Cyrano to tell her of his love. Cyrano says he has renounced all such illusions. There were times he fell prey to hope, and then he saw his shadow on the wall. Le Bray expresses tender sympathy, but Cyrano says he will not cry. A tear trickling down his nose would profane the dignity of sorrow. Le Bray reminds him that the eyes of the orange girl did not avoid him, and that Roxanne herself watched his duel with lips parted. He says to speak to her, but the seemingly dauntless Cyrano says she might laugh at him, and that is the one thing he fears. At that very moment, Roxanne's duenna appears, saying that Roxanne wishes to see him privately, and asking where they might meet. Cyrano, for whom poetry trips off the tongue, is struck speechless. He composes himself enough to arrange a meeting at the shop of Ragano the next morning. At the mere thought that she knows he exists, Cyrano feels himself a storm, a flame, too strong to war with mortals, and he cries out, Bring me giants! His prayers are answered when Cuigi appears with Liniere who informs Cyrano that a hundred men lie in ambush for him because of that satirical little song, and who asks if he might spend the night with him. Cyrano replies, a hundred, is that all? You are going home. Lebray, the voice of the practical, asks Cyrano why he ought to help this drunkard, and Cyrano answers that this drunkard once performed a gesture of romantic ideal. The crowd of actors and officers gathers to follow him and observe this spectacle, and the violinist to give it musical accompaniment. But Cyrano warns them all that no one is to lift a finger. He fights alone.